Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all gathered in this Sunday morning. You're all very welcome. Be you here in person, online, uh, watching via our Facebook, maybe through our church app, or listening later on uh, via our CD ministry, you're all very welcome indeed. And a very warm welcome here to Mark. Mark, back with us again today again. You're welcome back, Mark. Good to see you. And we welcome both uh, your wife, Naomi, and your granny is here today also. So you're all indeed very welcome to join with us this morning. Just a few announcements to make this before we commence our morning service. You should, on your way in this morning, have received a little small commemorative copy of the Gospel of John and to commemorate her Majesty the Queen's Platinum Tomb. If you haven't received that, make sure to get your copy before you leave church today. Next uh, Sunday morning, the 12th uh, of June, will be our Children's Day service. And in preparation for that, the children will meet uh, after church this morning uh, for a very short practice. Then next Sunday morning again, uh, the children can meet at 11 o'clock in the church hall. And the service of worship next Sunday will be conducted by the Reverend Colin Harris. Again, just to report that a delegation from Kirk Session went along with the Reverend Harris to meet with the Linkage Commission on Tuesday past. And following our presentation on behalf of the congregation, I'm delighted to report that we have indeed received permission to call a new minister. As most of you know, this will be a bit of a process now, but it's good to be on that next stage of the journey. And we thank all members of Kirk Session who attended on Tuesday, and we also thank you, the congregation, for keeping us in your prayers at this time. Also, just to remind you all of the congregational meeting, the next Monday evening, Monday the 13th of June at 8pm, and the meeting is called, when the congregation is called to make a particular decision, and the congregational meeting is called for one purpose, and the purpose is to seek to renovate, to sell, or to buy a new mass. There's only one item on the agenda, that being this particular topic. Uh, this is the second Sunday of announcement. We'll also announce it next Sunday again, but the meeting uh, will be next Monday evening, the 13th, at 8 o'clock in the church hall, and the meeting is for voting members of the congregation. And as we all meet this morning, we are all mindful of the weekend that it is, the Platinum Jubilee celebrations, and we're here this morning to give thanks to God for his goodness to each and every one of us, but to also give thanks for the seven years of dedicated service of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Today, uh, as part of the service, we will remember uh, how the goodness of God has been to her, and to give thanks for her life, her leadership and more importantly, her reign over us for 70 years. And in the quote she once said, I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I now know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give it my best in all that I do, and to put my trust in God. I draw my strength from the message and the hope 
of the Christian gospel. The words are from Majesty and Queen. And I hand over to Mark, who will now lead and conduct the remaining part of the service. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's great to be here, and thanks, David, for the welcome, as always. It is a very special week. What we've all witnessed and what we're continuing to witness is really a once-in-a-lifetime event, maybe even once-in-a-history event. A sovereign whose reign has lasted to date, 70 years, and of course we hope many more. A sovereign who so easily may not have held that position at all, but by God's grace, she has, and our prayers for her has, have been answered. Long live our noble queen, long to reign for us. And she's an inspiration to many, not just in the UK, but all over the globe. But even as we gather to give thanks for her, her service to us this morning, she has at least one thing in common with many of us here, and that is that even she has a king to serve. Luke chapter 1 and verses 32 and 33 speak of the birth of Jesus and they say this he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end a queen who rules for 70 years is worthy of much commendation and adulation but the king who reigns forever is the one who will get all the glory and honour. He alone is worthy to be praised above all. So let's stand together now and sing a hymn that is so often sung by royalty to acknowledge that Christ is indeed the King of Kings. Let's sing, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven.
Father God, how we love singing your praises on a Sunday morning, gathering with others of the same mind. We love to worship you. We give you all the honour and the glory. You're the same forever. Glorious in your faithfulness. You are Father-like, gently bearing us, rescuing us from all our faults. You are the high, eternal one. As we come this morning in a somewhat special service, we come to thank you for our wonderful Queen. Father, we thank you that you have answered our prayers for her, our parents' prayers, our grandparents' prayers, which she's endured through generations. We thank you too, especially, for her faith in you. We know that her country, her United Kingdom, has been drifting away from you for, for a long time now. But we thank you for giving us a sovereign who always talks of our Saviour, Christ, her King. As we gather for worship this morning, we may well give thanks, and rightly so, that you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are the one to be praised above all. And so we pray that you will be near each one of us now. Guide us as we seek to do just that and speak to many through your words. In Jesus' name we ask. Well, this morning we don't have a Bible reading, we have Bible readings. And maybe it's a little bit unpresbyterian, but I will tell anybody if you don't. And hopefully we'll learn something, not from one, but from three passages this morning. Might sound a bit odd, but as I read them, maybe you'll figure out what each of these passages have in common. They're not too long. The first one this morning is found in the Gospel of John. And it's chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing out to you that you might see I am bringing him out to you that you know I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Then our second reading is found in Revelation. This time Revelation chapter 14 beginning at verse 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat in the cloud, Put, your, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. For he who sat in the cloud, so he who sat in the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. And then finally, just one verse. First Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfailing crown of glory. Amen. If you haven't figured that out already, you'll find out a little later what all those passages have in common. Boys and girls, I'm going to get you to stay where you are today. But I'm sure that all of you will know what is so special 
about this past week. What has happened this week in the past few days that is such a big day? Can anybody tell me? You're not very shy, yeah. The Queen's Jubilee. I couldn't hear you, but I lip read. Yes, the Queen's Jubilee. It was on Thursday. But we're still thinking about it today because it's such a big occasion. Seventy years she has been queen. That's an awful lot longer than any of you have even been alive. It's such a long time. It's a once in a lifetime thing. In fact, it's the only time it's ever happened. And it's probably going to be the only time it ever does happen. And I think we should try and learn a little bit more about our queen this morning. So we're going to pray a little bit later on. We're going to pray and give thanks for our queen. We're going to pray and ask God to continue to strengthen her. And we're also going to sing the national anthem before we leave. But I think it would be a good idea to have someone come and tell us a little bit more about Queen Elizabeth II this morning. And I was sent a little bit of a clip this week, a video, and I knew straight away that it would be great, not just for boys and girls, but for mums and dads and grannies and grandas to see as well. So if Robin is ready, let's watch this little video together and then we'll come and sing. 2022 marks the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, a celebration of her 70-year reign. Queen Elizabeth II became queen in 1952, age of just 25 years old. She has written life just 25 years old. The queen was born on April 25th, 2022 marks the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, a celebration of her 70-year reign. Queen Elizabeth II became Queen in 1952, aged in just 25 years old. She is Britain's latest, just 25 years old. The Queen was born on April 12th, 1726. The Queen married Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, and they were married for 73 years until his death in 2021-21. The Queen has four children, Queen grandchildren, four to twelve great-grandchildren, eight
That was going to tell you a lot about Queen Elizabeth, but hopefully over the last couple of days you've learned enough. But maybe you learn something and go home and, and maybe put that out on, on Facebook later and boys and girls can watch that again. It's very interesting and tells us an awful lot about the Queen and of course the King she serves. But in a few minutes, boys and girls, are going to leave for Sunday school. And it's the last Sunday school for a long time, till the end of the summer. And it's hard to believe that it's come to that point already. But maybe you'll go out in a few minutes and you're going to learn a little bit. Uh, maybe a little bit about the Queen, you never know. But definitely something about the King that our Queen serves. But just before we do, let's all stand together and sing one of Her Majesty's favourite hymns, I believe, which is Guide Me Old Thy Great Jehovah.
thank for us and it's great to see you are back this morning as well that little extra bit of volume but let's turn again to God as we come to our prayers of thanks and intercession let's pray Father God you are our strength and our shade our strong deliverer and you alone deserve songs of praise forevermore Father, we thank you for the words of our hymns this morning. <clears throat> Great hymns that have been sung for generations with words that are full of meaning. Nothing added for effect or for fame. Just praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. With words that are true and nourishing to the soul. Father, we know that we are here with the intention of, of worshipping you this morning. Learning more of our wonderful Saviour, Christ Jesus. And we pray that you would grant us joy in our hearts as we do that. And Father, we also gather today to praise and thank you for our majesty and honour. We thank you, Father, and we thank you and none other. For it is you who has set her up as our queen in the first place. It is you who has held her in that position for 70 years. You, Father, have given her the, the health and the strength to fulfil her duties, not just to us, your citizens, in a world that's changing and moving further and further away from you <clears throat> we have a great earthly self who speaks so often of our heavenly king and how he is our strength and our love we thank you for that Christian witness a witness that reaches to far corners of all world. thank you even for our own contribution to the peace process here on our own island Thank you for our grace, for our poise, for our dignity, and for our leadership. But we do pray, Father, that you may continue to reign over us for a long time yet. It's hard for many of us to think of life without her as our queen and defender of the faith. And so we pray for our health and our advanced years. May you continue to be our strength, to carry on the road she has served in for long into the future yet. Ultimately, though, we are here to worship our King, King Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. We thank you for sending him to us. We who are and are so utterly helpless without him. We would still be stuck in our sin with no hope of redemption, but you provided us with a Savior, a land to take away the sins of the world. And we thank you, Father, that we can sit here today, knowing that whoever may sit on earthly thrones of yourself. There is no doubt who rules over all of heaven and earth. For we have a mighty conquering king sitting in heaven, interceding for us even now. Father, we pray to you this morning for our church. We thank you that we've been granted leave to call this past week and continue to lift our elders before you as they seek to find a man to stand in this pulpit each week. We pray that you will be preparing them even now, preparing them to undertake the responsibility and commitment that he needs to be a faithful minister of the church and pastor of his Thank you of our Children's Day next week. Even as the children are in Sunday school now and will, will practice shortly some of their songs, be with each one of them. 
You may take away any nerves next week. They're not here to perform. They're here to worship their God in heaven. May they know that as they stand and sing and read and pray. With our leaders too. We thank you for their commitment to the children each week over the past year, for giving up their time to teach and to train them in your ways. Many of them for the first time. We know what you're doing in the first place to call them to serve. So that even the youngers may have a firm grounding as they face this world. Father, we are in a week full of happiness and celebrations. But for many it is still a sad thing, no matter the festivities that are going on around. And so we continue to pray for the bereaved and the sick. We know she needed most fear, caring and watchful presence. He knows our sin and bring home those who are hospital to pray if it be in accordance with your will. And as we come now to open up your word very shortly, we pray that you might perform an even greater miracle than he. Father, we pray that you will open the eyes of the blind and melt cold hearts. Let people know their need of a Savior this morning. Father, teach us from your word. Let us feel your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we come to study God's word together, let's stand and sing another favorite hymn of many, a very appropriate one for what we're about to study. I stand and praise God with the words of crying him with thank God.
a completely unique few days in the life of our country and indeed the rest of the UK. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has, for almost seven years now, been the longest reigning monarch in England's very long history. And for most of us in here this morning, we've never known anything else. We've never known another king or queen. She's almost been ever present in our lives. And although I know a few people in here this morning remember seeing it on television when she was crowned in black and white. And over the past week and really few months, we've been reminded so much of her life and of her service. After all, being there for 70 years, she's, she's been around, she's been through a lot. And we feel we know her life and we feel we know her pretty well. What sort of a person she is, what sort of a queen she is. We've seen her many times wearing her crown, putting on her long rope with all the rest of the apparel made with the richest materials. And we've all been in awe of the pomp and the ceremony of the royal occasion, sort of the majesty of it all. She's the kind of queen, really, who's fairly put foot wrong in the past 70 years. She serves with great grace and humility, and she wasn't even above the war effort serving her citizens as a princess in the armed forces. We know what sort of queen she is. But this morning, for a few moments, I want to direct you to another ruler, one who is above every king and queen that has ever been or ever will be. And that is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And just as we've been able to figure out for ourselves what kind of a queen our queen is by watching and listening and reading all about her life, we can do the same with King Jesus. Because we have a book before us this morning with every page of it dedicated to telling us more of him. So the question I want to ask this morning and try and answer is very simple. What kind of a king is Jesus? What kind of king is Jesus? Maybe as I read out those few verses earlier on, you'll maybe figure out what kind of a, a route I'm going to go down now, what the, the common denominator was. Because all of them had one word in common, and that word was crown. There was the, the crown of thorns, the crown of gold, and finally the crown of glory. So I want to try and figure out what kind of king Jesus is this morning using those three crowns. So the first one is found in John chapter 19 and that's the crown of thorns. Now we all know this passage very well. Chapter 19, it happens just before Jesus, uh, before Jesus' crucifixion. It's a time of immense suffering for the king of kings, Christ's blood, that a painful lashing, a scourging that often killed the men that had to endure it because it was so rough. The soldiers flung a purple robe around his neck to mock his claim that he was the king of the Jews. He was unjustly condemned, beaten by those that he created. And they really wanted to torture him, to mock him as much as they possibly could. Then there was the crown. Now, if you've ever been to that part of the world, you'll know that these thorns are proper thorns. They're not something out of the hedge down the road. They're not briars or thistles that might scrape you and the odd times draw blood. It's nothing like that. These are long, 
and very strong spikes, maybe a few inches in length, twisted around form an imitation of a king's crown. They would have cut deep into Christ's head, adding to his pain and his misery and his agony and bleeding. This was not a crown that a true king should have to wear. Nobody should have to endure having that upon their brow. It's an awful thing. You can think about the pain that that crown would cause. There's an awful lot more to that crown than just the pain that it causes. Because there's a special significance to this crown that we often overlook. We regularly think of the grief and the suffering that it caused. And of course that is very important to us. But what more does this crown symbolize? That's why a question you have to think back to Genesis 1 and 2. To the beginning. When everything was perfect. Because when God the Father first created the world, with the aid of his son in this passage, there were no thorns and thistles. They came afterwards. They were only introduced later after the sin had come into the world and marred God's handiwork. Thorns, the thistles and the likes, then they're emblems of sin. They're a symbol of the curse which sin, which sin brought to mankind. So the soldiers are actually crowning Jesus with a symbol of the world's iniquity. He is bearing the curse of our sins. And he's doing it willingly as well. He makes no attempt to remove it. For this is the purpose for which he came. This crown of great significance. And there's significance in the robe as well. It adds to the symbolism. We know that purple is the sign of of royalty. It still is. We've seen plenty of it this past week. But when we read through the, the writings of the Old Testament, specifically the prophets, we learn that purple, as well as scarlet, are also symbolic of sin and sacrifice. Sacrifice. Christ bears the sin and he's clothed as a sacrifice. And so the picture that John is painting for the readers here with the crown of the robe is that of a king, a true king, carrying upon himself the sins of his people. All of their transgressions, their mistakes, their evils, heaped upon Christ. He wears this crown of thorns so that people can wear a different crown, a crown of righteousness. But Jesus, obviously, he's still in agony here from this crown, from scourging, and even from being mocked. But look how Pilate presents him to the people. He says in verse 5, it says, so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to him, Behold the man. Now we don't have the benefit of hearing exactly how Pilate said those words, Behold the man. Whether they were sarcastic, empathetic, maybe compassionate. But what we do know is that Pilate sought to release Jesus. A couple of times he, he tried to wash his hands off. He knew that Jesus was blameless. And so he presented Jesus to the crowds as this beaten and, and almost pathetic looking figure. Probably in the hope that the crowd would take pity on him. That they would let him go free and instead crucify Barabbas. Maybe he wanted to show the Jewish authorities as well that this man wasn't as dangerous as they made him out to be. That he was just a man. That he was nothing to be feared at all. In pain and in agony just as any other man would be. 
powerless to do anything about it. But of course, that's not the whole truth. For we know that this suffering king only suffered because his father willed it, because he was willing to bear the sins of his people. That's the kind of king that we see here in John 19. The kind of king that suffers for his subjects. The kind of king that takes their place in a battle against a foe that they could never overcome. Anyone that watched the celebrations on Thursday would have seen our queen standing before a, a massive crowd gathered in the mall in London just in front of Buckingham Palace. And you would have heard the loud roars and cheers as the queen took her place on the balcony. Everybody was waiting for that moment. And that's often how she's greeted by a crowd. That's the joy and the praise, the adulation that a great sovereign will often receive from their subjects. People that stood before Jesus definitely didn't act in the same way. They witnessed on that day, unknown to them, the suffering king, the humble servant king, the king willing to take their place. And they behold the man wearing the crown of thorns. And they reject him. But we all must behold Jesus. All of us must stand before him. And as I say that, you're probably thinking, well, in the future, in the end of time. But I mean now, right now, today, here, even as we read and we study God's word together, we behold Jesus Christ the King. We encounter him right here in our pews. And we must behold him either as a man who bruises like any other, who's helpless, who's beaten, or as a king. A king who willingly suffers for his people. The Redeemer. That's the first crime crown of thorns. Then there's the second crown. We read about that in Revelation 14, and of course it's a very different occasion. Revelation 14, 14 says, Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and seated on the cloud one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now there's no doubt about it, this is Jesus. Some people would argue that it's not, that it's just an angel, but all we have to do is look at scripture and we find it. As Daniel 7 describes for us, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Matthew 24, uh, Jesus said that the tribes of earth would see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. And in Matthew 26, even when the high priest asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, Jesus told him that he would see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. And of course, when Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts 1, as we know, the angels told the disciples that they would see Jesus coming back in the same way that he did on the clouds of heaven. So this is Jesus. This is the king wearing his heavenly golden crown. No longer in pain or misery. He's not in agony. He's not dealing with the sins of his people. Instead, we see clearly, just as we're saying in a few moments, that Jesus, the Savior, reigns. When he had purged our sins, he took his seat. So now he wears this golden crown with all the power and the authority to do whatsoever he will. We will see him as the mighty conquering king coming out of heaven to finally reveal over his enemies. He is the exalted king. Make no mistake about it, folks. This is a day in your future. Saved or unsaved, you will see Christ the king. 
coming on the clouds. There is a date, there is a time set in stone. And no one but the Father knows it, but it will come to pass. I wonder how often you think about that day. When the clouds will be rolled back as a scroll, when the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. How often do you think about that day, that time in your future? Really and truly, if we are God's people, our lives should be lived with us longing for the day that Christ returns. To gather us love, to take them up to his eternal home. There's no doubt about it. Even just reading these few verses in Revelation, it's a day to be excited for. A day to be eagerly awaited for the people of God. We will see the King of Glory descending from heaven on the cloud, wearing his crown of gold. It will be a day to rejoice for the believer as we see the exalted King of glory. This passage, of course, is not all sunshine and roses. It's wonderful for the believer, but not so much for the unbeliever, for those who reject Christ. Because a crown is not all that we see Christ with in this passage. We also see him with a sharp sickle. So yes, some will rejoice, some will be exceedingly glad of his coming. But others will fear and tremble and wish that the mountains could swallow them. Because this razor sharp sickle, of course, means judgment. A swift and devastating judgment. The earth will be reaped just like a feet. God will keep his word to the righteous. God will keep his word to the wicked. Judgment will happen and justice will come. It's fair to say that if you read the rest of the passages you can later on, particularly uh, verses 19 and 20, this isn't something that you want to be on the wrong side of, to be struck down with the enemies of the living God, thrown into the, the great wine press of his terrible wrath, and witness firsthand the horrendous slaughter of God's adversaries. It's hard to comprehend how some people read a passage like this. And still do nothing. But it's just one of the many passages of scripture that few people can come to and read. One be joking and the other be terrified. I wonder which group you're in this morning. Did the king with the crown of thorns suffer in your place? Will seeing the king with the golden crown cause you great joy or will it cause you terrible fear? Will you see the golden crown on his head and behold the king? Or will it be terror as you behold the judge? What kind of king is Jesus? We've already seen he's the suffering king. He's the humble servant king. The king who takes his people's place. The redeemer king. And now he's also the conquering king. The exalted king. The king above all the earth. The king of glory. The king worthy of all honor and praise. But Jesus the king is also Jesus the judge. The one who will take his servants up to their eternal home, but also the one who will condemn the wicked. There's one more crown that I want to talk about this morning. Crown of thorns, crown of gold, and finally, the unfading crown of glory in First Peter. And of course, unlike the other two, this crown is worn by Christ. This crown is worn by his people. First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, 
who will receive the unfading crown of glory. At that time when Christ appears, when he returns to the earth in the way that we've just read about, at that time, Peter tells us believers will receive an unfading crown of glory. Now we all know what a crown looks like. Many of you have been to the Tower of London, you've seen crown jewels or other places you've seen crowns as well. Maybe you've seen their, their beautiful designs on, on the TV or elsewhere. They're always made of some of the most expensive and delightful materials on earth. Diamonds and pearls, rubies, sapphires, emeralds. Some with so much gold on them that it would weigh you down if you were it. They're all so wonderfully put together. They're all carefully maintained, kept in special cases, taken out only when necessary and cleaned and polished. Make sure they're kept in absolutely mint condition. The reality is, no matter how long or how well these earthly crowns are preserved, someday they will still decay or rust. They might be damaged, they wear and tear, but they will eventually lose their value and they'll be corrupted. But here we're presented with a crown that does no such thing. It's a perpetual crown of glory. One that will never fade or decay or be corrupted. A crown that makes all other crowns completely obsolete. One our gracious queen we're going to wear along with the rest of God's people. One that's worth more than all the crowns she's ever worn. Because Peter isn't looking forward to some unfading version of an earthly crown. This crown is a metaphor. Tells us of eternal glory. This crown is the prize for those who faithfully run the race. So in Peter's day, if you were competing in a race or some kind of athletic event, you didn't get awarded a, a gold medal at the end like you are now. Instead, you were awarded a crown. Now, it might have been made of leaves or foliage, but it was a crown. Now, if you know your New Testament, you'll know that I could have picked from a few crowns this morning that are promised to the believer. James writes about the crown of life. Paul wrote about the crown of righteousness. He also wrote about the crown that is rejoicing. But no matter which crown we chose to look at this morning, they all have one thing in common. They're all imperishable. Every single one of them are unfailing in nature. The crown of life is the crown of eternal life. The crown of righteousness is the crown of eternal righteousness. The crown of rejoicing is the crown of eternal rejoicing. You see, you might not obtain honour or wealth in this life, but when Christ the King returns, there will be a special and an eternal reward. A crown of unfailing glory. A crown that will always remain the same. Just as one commentator says, just as if a flower should always keep its first luster and sweetest spring. But what does this crown actually tell us about our Saviour and about our King? We've seen plenty already of what kind of a King Jesus is. But what kind of a King is Jesus from this verse and from this crown? I think we see very clearly that he is a loving, generous, gracious and merciful King. Because this is the crown that our Saviour and King bestows upon those whom he loves. There is a crown does not give it to all, but only to 
thinking of those who are worthy to receive it. But how can we be worthy of it? Surely we who are sinners and wicked in the sight of a holy God could never hope to wear this crown, especially if it depends upon us being worthy. Well, that's true. We wouldn't have a chance. There'd be no hope for us at all. But our King makes us worthy. Nothing of us, but all of Him. The High King of Heaven lowered Himself to wear even a crown of thorns so that we are totally unworthy, incapable of any good, might wear a crown of unfailing glory, life, righteousness, and rejoicing. That's grace. That's mercy. And that is love. That is Christ the King. That is the kind of King Jesus is. Three crimes. And they all tell us so much about Jesus. He's the suffering servant, willing, humble, redeemer king, wearing the agonizing crown of thorns, mocked and beaten and bruised by those he created. He's the exalted king, the all-conquering king, the king worthy of all praise and honor. Above all, the King of glory will judge the living and the dead with a swift judgment, no longer mocked, but commanding all to bow from every tribe and tongue and nation. Yet he's the most loving, gracious, and merciful King of all, bestowing even on corrupt and undeserving sinners a crown for themselves, if only they repent and believe. This is Christ. This is the King of Kings. You know, our Queen is, I'm sure you all agree, an absolutely extraordinary woman. She is a gracious and a kind Queen, a woman who is driven by her responsibility and her service to her people. She is much loved by many, even from many countries throughout the world. And we're so thankful for her love. We're thankful for her poise or quiet strength or obvious outspoken faith in Jesus but this morning amid all these jubilation celebrations don't forget to look to the king the king that even our own queen serves the king who has given her the role of sovereign in the first place the king who has given her 70 years to rule over us and continues to give her the strength to do so He's the matchless king. His reign will know no end. His praise shall never, never cease through all eternity. So many of us watched the celebrations on Thursday. So many of us would have loved to have stood with that great number of people, cheering and enjoying the wonderful atmosphere. What a day that would have been to be gathered together in that bullshit. A day of joy. God be missed. Of course, there is a time, a day fast approaching, when we will all stand in the vast love of a multitude. A time when we will stand before another infinitely greater sovereign. But for you, will it be the day that you receive your prize, the crown of unfading glory, life, righteousness, rejoicing from the King Himself? Or will it be the day that you receive your just reward? 
condemnation at the hands of the judge. What kind of king is Jesus? Hopefully we've gone a little bit of the way to begin to answer that. There is an awful lot more to learn. But after answering that question, the new question must be, are you serving this king? Are you trusting in this king for your salvation? Are you seeking to live for this king all the days of your life? Did this king wear the crown of thorns for you? When he comes again on the clouds before all of creation, will you bow and behold the king of kings as your saviour and as your Lord? Father God, we really do thank you for the wonderful life and service of our Queen. We thank you for the 70 years, for the obvious Christian faith, for the legacy she'll leave behind for generations to come. But Father, we must thank you for our King. We thank you for sending your Son into this corrupt and sin-stained world to wear that awful crown of thorns, so that we might be worthy of wearing our pain and crown of glory. Realize that there's nothing through nothing good that we have done at all, only through King Jesus. Today we've read and we've understood what kind of king he is. And that one day he will return in the clouds. And Father, we pray that each soul in this place today would be ready. We want to behold the King in his glory as people who give honour and praise to the King crowned with power. Not as though she will tremble and seek to cover their faces from this terrible day. Father God, make us ready. Help us make Jesus our King in every aspect. May we all here be among the number of servants who are taken up to their eternal home when the trump of God shall sound. In our King's name we ask this. Amen. Our final praise this morning really speaks of so much of what we have been doing. I stand and sing our final final praise. Rejoice the Lord's King.
session, uh, please remain standing as we sing two verses of the National Benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority, now and forevermore. 